the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Christ has coexisted with God since the beginning. Therefore, everything we think, say, and do is to be rooted and grounded in Him because in the beginning was Christ, and Christ was with God, and Christ was God. As we consider our celebration of Christmas, let's ask ourselves these questions. Do the gifts we have glorify God? Do they remind us of the one whom we are or should be celebrating? Is He our focal point on Christmas Day and every day? Are we witnesses for Christ in our giving, thereby drawing others to Him? Christ is to be the only object of our celebration and giving. Turn with us. We're in a series, and uh, the, the scripture reference is the same as last week. It is found in Matthew chapter 1, verses 21 through 23. Matthew chapter 1, verses 21 through 23. And there you will find these words. And she shall bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. And from that passage, we want to preach the second uh, part of this message entitled Emmanuel. Say Emmanuel. Uh, just a brief review before proceeding with new insights for living. Uh, Ema- who is Emmanuel? Emmanuel is God, according to Matthew one twenty three. The name Jesus means what? Savior and comes from the Hebrew name Joshua, which means Jehovah is salvation. The Messiah prophesied in the Old Testament is the Christ in the New Testament. The Messiah is the Hebrew word and Christ is the Greek word. Both refer to the same person. The word Christ means what? Anointed. It is the Greek equivalent of Messiah. Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is his human name. Christ is his official title. And Emmanuel describes who he is, God with us. My friends, Jesus Christ is God. Why did God send Emmanuel? Last week we said God sent Emmanuel to uh, fulfill prophecy. Uh, Matthew 1, 21 through 22. There are also prophecies fulfilled about his birth, according to Isaiah chapter 8 and verses 8 and 10. The other prophecies concerning his birth as relates to Micah. In the book of Micah, you'll find a prophecy, a wonderful prophecy related to his birth in Micah 5.2. But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from of old, from everlasting. Out of Bethlehem, we said Bethlehem means what? 
house of bread. Bethlehem's mean what? House of bread would come the bread of life to feed our thirsty souls, to give us life in the midst of death. Another prophecy as it relates, Jesus came to fulfill prophecy. Another prophecy as it relates to his birth is also found in Isaiah 7, 14, which says, wherefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Jesus also fulfilled prophecies as it relates to his sufferings. Jesus fulfilled prophecies that spoke of his sufferings as found in Psalms 22, 14 through 19, as well as Isaiah 53, 4 and 5. Jesus also fulfilled prophecies as it relates to his death as found in Isaiah 53, 12. And Jesus fulfilled prophecies as it relates to his resurrection found in Psalms 16, 9 through 10. We went through all this. You say, you're going too fast. Well, I preached that extensively last Last week, and if you want to hear more in depth of what I said, you can get a, a CD, a DVD. And then we said Jesus came to save lost humanity from sin. Matthew one twenty one says, "She shall bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins." And you know, we we talked extensively about the fact that Jesus did not come to save the environment; he did not come to save endangered species or to promote education in schools of higher learning, even though all that's good. He did not come to overthrow the political system of his day because he knew that you cannot legislate sin out of people. Jesus came to save sinners. Jesus name means savior. In other words, Jesus saved us. He rescued us. He delivered us from the power and tyranny of sin. He came with a set agenda and nobody thwarted the agenda of our Lord. He came to save peoples from their sins because in Luke 19, 10 says the son of man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. John 10, 10 says, I have come that they may have life and that they would have it more abundantly. John 1, 29 says, behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And then we said last time that God sent Emmanuel because of his sacrificial love love for mankind. John three sixteen says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. In other words, God loves us with an unconditional love. Of course, there is nothing you can do to make God love you any more or any less. He loves you with an incomprehensible love. And then we said last time that God sent Jesus to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. Galatians 4, 4 and 5. In other words, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a a woman. In other words, adoption. He adopted us into the family of God. We talked about that. Adoption is the act of bringing someone who is the offspring of another into one's own family. And since we were all born a child of the devil, the only way we can become children of God is through spiritual adoption through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And that text also says that God did not send his son too early nor too late. Jesus came just at the right time. In other words, we're most effective when we operate in God's own timing and not allow people to push us beyond God's time schedule in our own lives. Doing the right thing at the wrong time will interfere with God's plan for your life. 
create all kinds of headaches and depression and setbacks with good intentions, but at the wrong time. And then we said, what are some of the decisions people make before the time? And we said, you can buy a house before the time and end up in foreclosure. We said, you can buy a car uh, at the wrong time and it ends up being possessed. You can leave a good job before the time because something looks greener on the other side. You can relocate to another city or state before the before the time and mess up your life. Uh, you can marry too soon and shipwreck your life and your kids end up experiencing separation and divorce. Or you can leave your marriage for somebody that look a little bit better, have a little bit more, only to find out you married the biggest devil in town. You know, everything that glitters is not gold. But in the fullness of time, God sent his son. He came just at the right time. Now, that was all review. Uh, Now we'll slow down and you can write. (laughs) Okay, number five, Emmanuel. Why why did Emmanuel come? Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. Emmanuel, God with us, came to disarm, destroy, and triumph over the devil, principalities, and power. Emmanuel came to disarm, destroy, and triumph over the devil, principalities, and powers. First, uh, uh, Colossians chapter 2, verse 15 is a profound verse as it relates to that. In Colossians chapter 2, verse 15, it says, Having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of, of them, triumphing over, triumphing over them in it. In other words, my friends, If Emmanuel could not defeat Satan, that devil, and his demonic host, we all would have died in our sins. We all would be without hope and destined for eternal damnation. I'm so glad that Satan came, I mean, that Jesus came on his own, uh, in Satan's own ram, in Satan's own spear, and whooped the devil on his own ground. I'm glad Jesus came, and I'm glad he gave Satan a good licking. Amen. He, he, he did what we couldn't do. He whooped the devil. How? Through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, it triumphed over Satan and all of his demonic hosts. Satan is fighting. And how many of y'all know Satan is fighting? How many, how many have seen the activities of Satan in your life? I mean, he's fighting, but be it known to you today, he's fighting a losing battle. It's a losing battle. Why? Because Jesus took, uh, the, uh, took the sting from death and victory from the grave and he whooped the devil and his host on Friday and rose early Sunday morning crushing that doggone devil. The first six letters in Christmas are C-H-R-I-S-N-T. What does that spell? Christ, which should remind us that we celebrate Christmas for Christ's sake. Jesus, who gave us the greatest gift of all, salvation, which costs us nothing, but costs him everything. He is the reason for Christmas and every season. Many of us miss the real meaning of Christmas because we focus on giving gifts that last for a season rather than the gifts of the spirit that last a lifetime and from generation to generation. Today, Pastor Rander compels us to remember that Christ is Christmas. Thank you for listening in today. Have your Bible close by and have pen and paper handy.
First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 57 says, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. There is victory in Jesus. There is victory in Jesus. That's why y'all not walk around with your head down. Lift up your heads because there's victory in Jesus. Uh, There's nothing wrong with crying uh, when you uh, have, have experienced the death of a loved one, but you ought not cry as if you have no hope because that person Uh, is just as alive today as he was when he was here with you. In other words, uh, death does not uh, mean annihilation. It's a transition either to heaven or hell. And if you know Jesus Christ as your personal savior and you believe in the death, burial and resurrection and you live Christ out in your life as evidence of your salvation, that means if you shut your eyes today, breathe your last breath, instantaneously, sooner than at once, quicker than right now, you are in the presence of God and living in eternal life with him. But if you know not the Lord Jesus Christ, you don't want him. You don't want the word. You don't want the church. You can't stand preachers and you don't want none of that stuff. Then Jesus give you what you ask for and he damns your whole your soul to hell. And if you were to die today without Jesus, you would instantaneously wake up in the midst of hell burning, waiting for the destruction uh, of waiting for the great white throne judgment where you'll be judged and cast into the lake of fire. According to revelation 20. Wow. Now that's big. I'm so glad Jesus whooped that devil. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad he defeated? But he's fighting. But he's lost. Number six, Jesus came that we would become rich through him alone. Jesus came that we would, we would become what? Rich through him alone. Jesus who was rich in glory, splendor, and majesty. Jesus, who was rich in glory, splendor, and majesty, became poor that we who were contaminated by sin, spiritually destitute, spiritually bankrupt, would become rich through Jesus Christ alone. There's a marvelous scripture on this found in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. It says, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes, he became what? Poor. He was born to poor peasants. He, he, he had splendor and glory, but he became poor for us that you through his poverty, the poverty of Jesus Christ might become rich. Jesus was not born in a palace. He was born in a manger. He was born to uh, 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 in, in an agrarian society in the midst of poverty. Jesus Christ, who preexisted with God in the beginning, Jesus Christ was equal with God and is as rich as God. You cannot diminish the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. I reiterate that because that is important. Uh, your Jehovah Witnesses and other folk think that Jesus was created. He was not created. Jesus Christ always was, is, and will be. Jesus Christ who pre-existed. Say pre-existed. Pre-existed with God where? In the beginning. He was equal with God. Okay, stand that, but that's the truth. And is as rich as God became poor at his incarnation, which means enfleshment, that through him we might become rich. 
You say, well, I don't have a whole lot of money. I'm not rich. Stop talking like that. You are rich. You're rich in you're rich with the mercy of God. You're rich with the blessings of God. Hey, man, you're rich with you're rich with a, a beautiful inheritance awaiting you from God. I, 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 you you're rich because you have royalty in your blood because you are king's kids. Oh, yeah, you're rich. You got royalty in you because you are somebody's child. You are a child of Jesus Christ. Amen. Wow. He became poor at his incarnation that through him, the Lord Jesus, we might become rich. You say he preexisted before his birth? Yes. You say, can you prove that? I sure enough can. Look at the gospel of John chapter 17, verse five. It's all in the Bible. That's why this is Maranatha Bible Church. The gospel of John chapter 17, verse five. It's something right in there. It says, and now, oh, father, glorify me together with yourself. Look, look at this now with the glory, which I had with you before the world was. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> look, he says, and now, O oh father, glorify me together with yourself with the glory, which I had with you before the world was Jesus existed. And you say, you say also, oh, yes. Yeah, so he was in the beginning with God and you say he's equal with God. Yes, he is equal with God. Where's the scripture on that? I'm glad you asked. The gospel of John chapter 10, verse 30 says, I and my father are one. The gospel, the gospel of John, John 10, 30, I and my father are one. You say he came in the flesh. Yes, he did. Jesus Christ came in the flesh because Romans chapter one, verse three says concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who was born of the seed of David, according to the flesh, says Romans chapter one, three. Can you give me another passage about Jesus coming in the flesh? I certainly can, because it says in first Timothy chapter three, verse 16, particularly the first portion of of that 16 verse and without controversy. Great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh. He came in the flesh to redeem mankind. Y'all hanging with me? This is a theological lesson. I want you to, I want you to hang with me now. You, you, I want you to hang with me. How did God become man? How did God become man? God became man through the virgin birth. Say virgin birth. God became man through the virgin birth. Uh, I want to show you something. Uh, Matthew 1.16, just jot that down. But I want you to look at the genealogy of Jesus Christ in uh, chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. Y'all hanging with me? I want to show you something. We're going to shout on this. Look at this. Well, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but just enough to, to give you an idea. If you found a passage, say amen. Look, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham begot Isaac, Isaac begot Jacob, and Jacob begot Judah and his brothers. Judah begot Perez and Zerah by Tamar. Perez begot Hezron, 
Hezron, and Hezron begot Ram. Ram begat, begot Abinadab, Abinadab begot Nashon, and Nashon begot Salmon. Salmon begot Boaz by Rahab, Boaz begot Obed by Ruth, Obed begot Jesse, and Jesse begot David the king of the king. David the king begot Solomon by her who had been the wife of Uriah. Solomon begot, and then it goes on, begot, 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 begot. But look at verse 16. Something unusual happens. And verse 16 in the genealogy, it says, and Jacob begot Joseph. It didn't say Joseph begot Jesus. Something mysterious happens here. And Joseph begot, look, and Jacob begot Joseph. Look, it changes. The husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus who is called the Christ. Look how meticulous the Holy Spirit was in making a distinction that Joseph did not beget Jesus. He just says, and Jacob begot Joseph. And when it speaks of Joseph, the text only says, the husband of Mary. See that? All the begots. And then it changes right there. From Matthew chapter 1, verses 2 through 15 in the genealogy of of Jesus Christ, you see one person begetting another until you get to verse 16. Then the begetting comes to a screeching halt. Matthew is making a clear distinction that Joseph is not the father of Jesus. He is the husband of Mary. But Jesus is not Joseph's biological offspring, which validates the virgin birth. Isn't that exciting? Why is the doctrine of the virgin birth or the incarnation so important? Why is it? Why all this big deal about the incarnation? Why all this big deal about the virgin birth? It's a big deal, all right. It's not a big deal uh, then you in serious spiritual trouble. So why is the doctrine of the virgin birth or the incarnation so, so important? Number one, the, the virgin birth, the doctrine of the incarnation is so important because it reveals God to us. The virgin birth is so important because it reveals God to us. Jesus is God, has always existed in eternity past as God, and has an endless existence. In other words, there's eternality about his existence. He has no beginning. He has no beginning. You just say in the beginning and has no end. This same Jesus became man in the miracle of the virgin birth that God would be revealed to us in a very personal way. We we could see the glory of God in creation. We see the prophets coming, saying the Messiah is coming. But now he has come. The gospel of John chapter one, verse one. Everybody with a Bible find that. This is just too spiritually delicious to look over. The gospel of John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Chapter one, verse one. In the beginning was the word. The Greek word is logos. Say logos. And the Logos, the word was with God and the word was God. 
And you know, and the logos, the word is whom? Christ. I can even substitute the word for Christ. In the beginning was the Christ and the Christ was with God and the Christ was God, the logos. And the word logos became flesh and dwelt among whom? Us, us, not computers, not technology, huh? Not, not gadgets, us people. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the father, full of grace and truth. God so loved the world that he allowed his son to come and listen, pitch his tent in the flesh among us. That's, that's awesome. He loved us so much. He gave up his only one and only son, the apple of his eye to come and to pitch his tent in flesh among us. Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus Christ not only come, Jesus Christ not only came uh, to reveal himself to us. Number two, Jesus cannot be Emmanuel, which means God with us unless he was virgin born. He cannot be Emmanuel unless he was virgin born. And because Jesus was virgin born, he is our Emmanuel, the savior of the world. That's why the virgin birth is so significant. A genuine child of God will never deny the virgin birth. If you are a true child of the living savior, you will never, 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 never deny the virgin birth. If you deny the virgin birth, you are not a Christian. That gets deeper. Did you get that? That's, that's, you say that's strong. Yes, that's strong. If you deny the validity of the virgin birth, you are not a Christian. Why? Because of number three. If there were no incarnation of virgin birth, there would be no gospel. Our Lord was born to die and was raised in resurrection power. He, he, he was born to what? Die. And he, he, he died and was buried, but was raised in resurrection power. That's the gospel. The Bible tells us that Christ is full of grace and truth, and we are the recipients whether we realize it or not. Without Him, we would not exist. So as we plan our Christmas gatherings, let us remember to celebrate the one true God in Christ and Christ in God who gives us everything we need in this life. The Bible tells us that we live, move, and have our being in Him because we are His offspring. As the Word tells us, when we give, it will be given to us. Moreover, he is preparing us for eternity with him. There's nothing comparable to that. As Pastor Rander concludes his message, think on these things. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.